Welcome to the Not This Podcast, the podcast that questions and deconstructs limiting belief systems and patterns with curiosity and love. I am your host, Tina Marie Olson, and today is the very first episode. So what you're going to get today is the why behind Not This and an understanding more of some of the beliefs and assumptions that I've used in creating this. So I hope you love it, and thank you so much for listening. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining me. I wanted to take time today to talk about what the format is, why this matters, why do we even want to bother to have conversations around things that are not this, and inherent in that, where the title even came from. So let's just jump right in. So one of the things that I find most fascinating about life is the fact that there are always, and I'll say infinite, maybe it's not literal, but maybe it is. Okay, there's seven plus billion humans on the planet, and every human has a potential of many, 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 many different perspectives uh, on any particular thing. And you extrapolate that out, that's a frick ton of possibilities, right? And yet a lot of times in life, uh, especially when we find ourselves stuck, um, ruminating, stuck in a loop on something, things aren't going the way we want them to go, we often either see that there's just the perspective that we're in, we keep looping in it, or really frequently the perspective we're in and the one other perspective we can see from that at that time. And that one other perspective's like a holy hell no. I would never do that. I would never be like that. And so we stay in the perspective that has a stock because we definitely don't want to do the other thing. And so what happens when we start having conversations where possibilities are curiously explored and the roots of some of these really culturally and personally pervasive perspectives uh, start to be understood a little bit more? Like, where did these things come from? Why do we all tend to buy into... Um, actually not all like that's a, I'll catch myself probably a million times over on this. And there's probably many, many times where I won't catch myself. But the whole point of this podcast is the recognition, the integration, the full understanding that we are 7 billion and counting human beings on this planet who each are entirely unique Nobody else has the same exact life experience, the same exact DNA, the same exact, um, you know, whole number of things, education, uh, things that make their heart sing and things that break their heart. We are all completely unique. And when we step into being completely who we feel we truly are, then we create like this amazing jigsaw puzzle of humans. And 
will any one of us ever get to experience what it feels like to be like a part of that entire jigsaw puzzle and have like a conceptual understanding of that? Probably not. Um, But we experience it in our own corner of the world, our own life, uh, the way we fit in with the other humans around us. And when we start celebrating what's uniquely true about us and what's uniquely true about the other human beings around us, then everything seems like this glorious, happy accident, as Bob Ross would say, this coming together of these unique puzzle pieces. So maybe maybe we only really get to understand, you know, a few concentric circles out from our puzzle piece. And that could, I don't know, include hundreds or even thousands of other humans. But we still get to see how all the interconnections work so well and are so incredibly beautiful. And it feels to me, it feels to be true that the prerequisite for that is for each human to own their true unique nature. And we're going to talk over the course of this podcast with a lot of humans who've found various ways to own their true unique nature and share that with others. And the not this component of it is not all one way, not conformity, not conditioned beliefs that are stuck to our skin and our faces like glue that we think they are us. Uh, Because when we break out of those ways of imprisonment, we start to see and understand and experience the magic that each and every single one of us is and that each and every single one of every other human is. So let's just take a moment to let that kind of like sink in to our hearts and let it expand us. You could even close your eyes if you're not driving or actively like walking or running right now. (sighs) I believe that in each and every one of our hearts is that stone or map or sparkle or whatever you want to call it that shows us who we're truly meant to be. I started my higher education, I guess we call it, my third quarter of sophomore year of college and then all the way through my master's program studying political theory. One of the biggest things I took away from that was this concept that we've all been born into a particular theoretical model. Now, depending on where you are in the world, that theoretical model is different. But in the U.S., that theoretical model was one of modernity that came with certain assumptions about what it meant to be a human 
in our individual lives and in our public lives. And those assumptions are never like handed to us on a platter until maybe you happen to find yourself in a political theory class and said, do you want to buy into these? Like you have free will choice. Would you, would you like in or not? Instead, we're just raised in them. It's the pool that we're all swimming in. It's the chlorine in the pool <laughs> that we're all swimming in. And there's no need to judge as to whether or not the chlorine is right or wrong. In this, you know, very simplistic analogy, chlorine both kills off harmful bacteria and also like causes detrimental things in our in our systems to potentially happen. And I'd say the same is true with our assumptions, with our our conditioned patterns and beliefs. But what feels like imprisonment is when we don't ever give ourselves the opportunity to question those or when we question them, when we come back to things that are inherently self-limiting. We come back to beliefs about the truth of who we are that aren't actually true. So at the risk of diving into further dogma, which is one of the tenets of this podcast. I do not want to be creating new dogma. And as we have conversations with the various guests over time, you know, one of the things that I'll continue to reiterate is they're just bringing another perspective, another possibility. It's not the way. It's just a way that they have found to live their life or to express themselves or to align themselves to or to give their energies out into the world. So with that, I'll probably use a lot of I believe. I'm not asking you to also believe it, but what I'm wanting to do is start this podcast off differently than the pool with the chlorine you were born into. In other words, be explicit about the beliefs and assumptions and it feels like now is as good a time as any. It'll be an ongoing conversation. I'm sure I'll be exploring more and finding more assumptions and more beliefs as I go because I'm human too. Of course. <laughs> I'm done questioning that one. So the first one that I want to explicitly lay out is the belief that we are all made of source energy. And my belief about source energy is that it's pure, unconditional love. And I believe that, therefore, the truth of who I and we are is unconditional love. And this belief has served me and will continue to serve me, I believe, abundantly because it's allowed me to discern in my own life, in my own practice, in the, in the inspection, <laughs> if you will, of the caverns of my own being uh, and ferret out things that don't feel like unconditional love, things that don't feel like compassion, joy, play, ease, grace, 
with the word grace, I'm caught with a reminder that that was a concept that I had nowhere for it to land. I did not even know. I don't even know if I knew what a dictionary definition of grace was, let alone like an embodied experience of grace. Because I didn't grow up in a church. And I feel like we there are certain words that we've reserved for like church-like experiences. <laughs> for some reason, that made me think of the church lady from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> so I want to also be explicit about that. My beliefs do not come from any particular religion. For the most part, my beliefs come from very direct lived experience with spirit and with, I might mention during episodes, which by the way, the plan, now all good plans are meant to be changed, right? The current plan is that every other week will be me doling out some dose of of wisdom that's helped me or people who are close to me in that in that time period whatever's fresh and then the opposite weeks will be conversations uh we'll see how that we'll see how that format goes so you'll probably hear me talk about you might hear me talk about jesus you might hear me talk about kuan yin uh you might hear me talk about mary magdalene who is very very close to my heart I could go on and on. The point, you get the point. Please know that, sure, some of these concepts of who these beings are or were may come from interpretations from other people that may or may not have religious context. And a lot of it comes from my own direct experience of their energies. What I would encourage you to do if you feel so called, is to invite in your own direct experiences. For me, what I realized, this was, oh, many years ago, I really started taking to journaling as breath, as life-giving. I was in such deep heartache and grief that it was the only thing that would soothe me. And what I realized many years later when somebody gave me language for it was that my journaling was actually, it would first be stream of consciousness. It would first be me talking as if I was sitting in a therapy chair or something. This is what's going on. This is why it's so upsetting or what, this is how I feel today or whatever. Uh, not terribly interesting, a bit cathartic. Um, but then by the end of me writing, however many pages later that would be, there would be this like wisdom that would come through. And I think I almost took it for granted. Well, I guess I just didn't need language for it. I don't know. Um, All I know is that by the time I was done with that dose of wisdom, I would feel like the weight of a million bricks had been lifted off of my body. And so years later, I found out that this is that I was incorporating channeled writing or guided writing. Some people call it automatic writing into my journaling, not even having any idea. And I think that's a really great example of the fact that we all are connected 
this is another belief of mine, to something bigger than the physical life that we're experiencing. And that wisdom is available to any and all of us. It's the most (laughs) egalitarian, if you will, commodity or gift of generosity, grace, because there is no one person or set of people. There is no particular body type or race or sexual preference, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that has access to universal wisdom. It is available to all of us directly. And in my belief, when we know that, when we recognize that, when that becomes the core foundation of the truth of who I am, is I am a human with direct connection to universal intelligence, wisdom, consciousness. So let's take an aside for a moment. Yesterday, I was on a run and I did what I fondly call a victory lap (laughs) because I looked down at my fancy new toy that I got some, you know, Garmin tracker thing. And it said that I was 0.15 miles away from the next mile marker. And I was like, well, this is when I was arriving at home. So I was like, well, for crying out loud, I might as well do a victory lap and make it to the, you know, the whole mile, the complete mile. And that brought me around the neighborhood to my favorite, I'm I'm just going to call him the grandfather tree. He's old, he's wise, he's been there a while. I could tell you what kind of tree he was if I knew such things. Maybe that's today's homework. And when I used to have my soul dog, Oski, he and I would go on a walk by this tree at least once a day, if not more often, and I would always stop and put my hands on the tree. It just made me feel so grounded, so connected. Well, trees... And I know it's such a cliche, like tree hugger, hippies and all that. But really, they're onto something. (laughs) Trees have so much wisdom. Have you ever sensed that a tree was afraid to have its leaves fall? Have you ever seen a tree looking like it's really trying really hard for those first buds to come out in the spring? No, of course not. It's It's like a ridiculous, ridiculous projection. The trees just are, right? They are pure essence of life force. They are connected and grounded and wise and part of everything. When you do hug a tree, and since I'm recording and releasing this during the time of coronavirus quarantine, For those of you who find yourself in any of these positions, you live alone, you miss human contact, you live with other humans, and those other humans are doing what humans do, and therefore they're driving you a little bit nuts, you're energy sensitive, and all of this can be a lot, especially when you empathically feel into this unknown that everyone's experiencing right now. You have experienced any variety of 
traumas and i'm sure there'll be a whole episode on expanding the definition of or our understanding of the definition of trauma but you can tell your nervous system kind of could use a break maybe you get anxious or worried or have a hard time sleeping long enough list for right now if you are brave enough or if you can find a tree that's in enough privacy (laughs) to go hug a tree and give yourself literally like three to five minutes to do it. This is not this is not like a regular human hug where it's like, oh, yeah, hi, nice to see you, pat, pat, moving on. This is like a full nervous system reset. If you can get your sternum, your heart center, right on the trunk. I've also noticed sometimes it feels good, obviously, to put one cheek or the other cheek on the trunk. It's easier on the neck. But if you can also get your third eye, your forehead right on that tree, oh my God. The amount of like grounding force and calming, it's like a full nervous system reset. And we get that, we get that same thing in a different kind of way, but we get, we can get that in the ocean. We can get that laying on a beach, laying on the grass. But I just, I thought of trees because they're accessible and they stand up like humans do, right? And so, yeah, I encourage you to try it. And give yourself a nice long time with that tree. Come back. Report back to us. Which brings me to another one of the intentions about this podcast, which is building of community. So my website is tinamarieolson.com. That'll be in the show notes. Olson spelled with an E. There I have a subscription community where we're going to do all sorts of really fun things. And by really fun, I mean expansive conversations, opportunities to talk, to further the conversation in live Zooms with uh, some of the podcast guests, ask them questions. We'll do online courses that are quick, easy, and digestible. And the things we play with in there will continue to expand over time, of course, because this is just like the very beginnings seeds of spring in the beginning of this community. So I encourage you to join to continue the conversations that we have on the podcast to report back your experiences. I'm trained as a professional coach and one of the things that coaching is really big on is um, the belief in accountability. And that's been an interesting one for me because human design will also be another big part of probably a lot of what you hear about because it's been really influential in my life. And the first guest that we're having on is Kelsey Abbott, who is an intuitive human design reader and also an amazing coach. So the point of all that is in my human design I have all four arrows pointing right. So if you're familiar with human design, you'll know what that means. If you're not familiar, we'll get to that over time. But what's pertinent about it for this is it means that I love to flow. I love to be in flow. I'm meant to be in flow. I thrive in flow. Uh, Not so much with structure. And so the accountability piece has always been interesting to me because it feels like It can have a fear-based kind of like, well, I'm going to do this because I said 
that I would do it. Which to me feels like, hmm, okay. And is there an even more expansive reason you could do this? Like, what is it within you that really makes you want to do it? So maybe we can use accountability with that context of like, I'm going to hold myself accountable to coming back to the community and, you know, reporting back how my attempt at uh, channeled writing or guided writing went or how my <laughs> how my foyer with hugging trees went or whatever. But I'm doing this because, what, because you want to share your experience and encourage others, because you're proud that you tried something that was a little bit, seemed a little odd to you. Like, what are the real empowering reasons that we do things? And along the way, uh, probably especially with the episodes that are just me, I'm also going to be giving you Theta Healing downloads, options, offerings. So with downloads, they are beliefs that may be more serving than the beliefs that are currently in your subconscious. So let's go there for a minute. Our subconscious is estimated to operate like somewhere between 85 and 90 percent of our of our minds that includes things like breathing and thank god that's subconscious right like if i only breathed when i remembered to consciously breathe i'm sure i would have been dead a long time ago so the other thing so again just like the chlorine in the pool there's really good things that come from having some aspects of our system, our living being operating from a realm that's not something that we have to be consciously asking it to do. And also, our subconscious is believed to run programs that are kind of like our computer running programs in the background. Again, assumptions that other than decisions are based off of those assumptions, but those assumptions are often not made clear. So that is at the heart of coaching. It's at the heart of theta healing. It's at the heart of political theory. So obviously, given that these are three things that have been really, really important to me on my path, opening up and unwinding, bringing light to these subconscious beliefs and ferreting out the ones that feel like they're currently limiting. They may have served us really, really well in a prior time of life, in our ancestors' lives. Those things are passed down both, um, I'll call it directly and indirectly. So what I would mean by that directly would be like, something that one of your parents or one of your grandparents like said to you as a way of being, you know, like this is how people do things or I can't believe you're doing that or whatever. So that they had some sort of belief and they were specifically aligning you to that belief or attempting to align your behavior to that belief. And then, and then there's the indirect ones just for the sake of speech, which would be passed down through your DNA that they might not even know they have. And that includes trauma. Scientists are are discovering that trauma can be passed down for generations through the DNA. And um, Theta Healing believes that that can be changed. 
not the, the passing it down of it, but the the imprint, um, the belief that that can be healed and changed. And as a matter of fact, when we heal and change it, that that makes it available to be healed and changed for our ancestors as well. Really powerful. And then I also have a belief that we have experienced prior lives and that we would have taken beliefs from those lives as well. Again, they may have served us or felt true at that time, but if they're holding us back now, really important to see what they are and release them. So, obviously, on a podcast, it'd be pretty hard for me to know exactly what every single one of your various limiting beliefs are, although there's probably some things that are in common and we'll probably pull some of those over time too. But what downloads can do is downloads can give you a new program. And that is something that I can do in mass. The brilliance of it is I just get to say, would you like to know that? And you get to just say yes or no. So if it doesn't feel like an empowering, expansive, loving belief to you, or it doesn't feel like it's something that's going to serve you, you don't have to take it. So that's just me sprinkling some magic healing dust over all of you. As a matter of fact, let's do a few right now. Would you like to know that the truth of who you are is source energy, which is unconditional love? Would you like to know what it feels like to give and receive unconditional love in your relationships? Would you like to know that you are worthy of everything that you desire? And would you like to live without ever questioning your worthiness? And would you like to know that it's safe to change, to live a bigger, more beautiful, more expansive, loving life than what you may be currently experiencing? Awesome. Which brings me to the final aspect. Um, Exploring some of these things may feel triggering at times because the part of us that is responsible for fear and for survival and for staying safe aims itself towards, of, of many things, um, survival within your current tribe, community, family, structure, and the fear says it's not safe to change because fill in the blank, like you're going to outpace your family, outgrow your family. And I'm just using family as an example, but put in whatever, whatever might feel triggering to you. If I see things differently, then how am I going to coexist with these people who I love? And this is where the faith and the trust comes in that love stays and unhealth or dysfunction or fear-based or wound-based relating is what's up to go and that 
trust that you have the skills, the tools, the discernment, the compassion to navigate that bridge with love. I am not asking you or suggesting that you burn everything down and then see what's left. Chances are, if you burn everything down to see what's left, not much is going to be left. And then you build from scratch, which forests naturally do with lightning and the whole cycle. There's a natural component to that, right? There's certain seeds that only pop open with fire. Get it. There's a place in time for that. This is about your own discernment for what's right for you. For me, on my journey, it has felt super duper important to do the very best I can with grace and compassion to maintain and grow the love and allow the other parts that aren't working well to fall away. I'll say that in a different way. I don't have to put energy towards attacking the parts that aren't working if I put energy towards growing the love and growing the parts that are working, encouraging more of what I want to have transpire, then that gives me the opportunity to see the chasm clearly because the chasm then grows, right? Between what's really healthy and hearty and blooming and blossoming and fruiting and what's not, then that becomes clear as to like which part of the garden to put the fertilizer and the water in and which part of the garden to like dig up and put in the compost. So it's a dance and I think that dance is extremely personal. I have literally no idea without directly tuning into your individual energy, um, which I do offer as a as a one-on-one offering. But I don't have any idea what your current Earth School lessons are on a, on a mass scale. I already mentioned that this is transpiring during coronavirus. So if you're coming back and listening later, we will see how all this stuff transpires. But the number of possibilities of direction, of gift and growing the love, growing things that are really thriving or will thrive even more than they were in the past as a result of this grand worldwide pause that we've been asked to take and this huge pivot. There are so many systems and structures right now that said something could not be done other than the way it was being done. And then all of a sudden, all these things had changed. I could go down a whole list of ways in which we've adapted. And some of those adaptations are temporary and are not the most loving, sustainable thing. The thing that was happening before or a lot of the energy of the thing that was happening before is going to be what comes back. But some of these things are showing a path to a new set of options, a new set of possibilities. So whether that for you right now is very personal or whether you're feeling some component of that for the work that you do on behalf of yourself and others, I really encourage you to sit with 
what is what is the earth school course that I'm in right now? What is the higher, larger soul aspect of me asking me to learn or asking me to shed or asking me to grow? And how can I put some more energies into that? So I'll leave you with that for today. I love you so much. I am absolutely thrilled to have the opportunity to have these conversations with you and to build community with you and to be a part of the bridge to a new earth.